Blog Talk Radio. It is officially Saturday and it's officially noon in my little corner of the world. And once again, typical Wisconsin weather, it's half rainy, half dreary. This totally sucks, considering the fact that our guest that's about to come on is probably sitting in 70 degrees sunshiny weather. A um, couple quick reminders before we get Steve in line. First and foremost, I want to say thanks so much to everybody who has been tuning in all week. I know it's been um, a whole lot of shows. I want to remind everybody about next week. I have um, my filmmaker frenzy, as I call it, because most of the folks who are going to be on my film festival for Art is Alive, and reminder, every single time I'm on here now, you're going to hear it, Art is Alive filmfestival.yellowsite.com. Huge exciting news about the festival. Let's hope the filmmakers think so after today. But there's some new news on that, so check out the website sometime later today. You can purchase your tickets again off the website, artisalivefilmfestival.yellowsite.com. For a listing of all the screenings, either go to the webpage. Otherwise, check out on Facebook, Art is Alive Film Festival. I have a list of all 25 of my screenings. There are four industry panels, one celebrity event, Live music, two nights of the festival. We've now stretched it out to four nights. And then, of course, the closing award ceremony on the 29th. I'm so excited I can't even stand it. So please, check it out. Art is Alive Film Festival. My creation. So excited, so nervous, so petrified. That's why I'm going to be off of social media, as we all know. If anybody is still looking to be a panelist or if you're still looking to participate, email me directly either through Facebook. Otherwise, my direct email is sin. 4251 at gmail.com. Two other quick reminders before we get Steve on the line. First off, if anybody's in the Madison area tomorrow, please come and join me to support the Mixed Match Race, um, excuse me, Mixed Match documentary. I can't even talk this morning. It's going to be held tomorrow as part of the Madison Asian American Celebration of Film. It's going to be at the Union Marquee in Madison, and I will go ahead and post it one more time today, the actual Facebook event page. It's a free screening. So it starts at 7 o'clock, and then it's about 90 minutes long, and then there will be a Q&A session with Jeff Shebit Stearns, who has been on my program, and I'm so delighted to meet him in person. So please, please, please come out and support independent film, and it's a free screening. So tomorrow, 7 o'clock, if you're in the Milwaukee area, please go support a Labor of Love fundraiser going on at Inspiration Studios, 1500 South 73rd Street in West Dallas. This is to benefit Village Playhouse. If you want to check that out, that's a community theater program been going on over 40 years in our community, villageplayhouse.org. Please check that out. It's from 5 to 10 tomorrow. You can get tickets either at the door or online through the, the website for Village Playhouse, which again is villageplayhouse.org. Ticket prices are $25, whether it's at the door or online. And of course, all of that goes back to funding the Village Playhouse and their endeavors, which is theater all year round, which again, if you know me, you know that that's huge. So please, go ahead and check out one, check out the other. If you want to check me out tonight, if I'm not dead after all this festival stuff and this interview, I will be going to Dugout 54. Please, 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 I can't tell you how important it is to get out there and try to listen to local music. Our very own Liam Ford is playing tonight at 8 o'clock. Some of my dearest friends are going to be there, and you get to look at me. Yeah, because I'm sure you want to do that. Not. But that's where I'll be tonight. So without further ado, um, let's get Steve on the line because I'm so thrilled and so excited that he's on the show. Steve Valentine? Hi, Cindy. How are you? Hi. I'm nervous. I'm petrified. You scare me. You're so handsome in your pictures, and I'm like, oh, my God, now he's going to be on my show. I'm afraid of you. <laughs> I am. No, thank really you. Scared. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. 
Oh, my God, darling. You are fabulous looking. So that's my very first question. Um, we're not going to give your age away because we don't talk about that on my show because I'm a little bit vain about that myself. But what I do want to ask right. you, um, because I don't want to call you a typical looking L.A. person, but you're extraordinary. The hair, the stature, the dress, the whole nine. Is that more PR print or is that actually how you have been your whole life? Because you're just you're just beautiful to look at, literally. And I'm not just saying that. You are so sweet. I appreciate that. <laughs> but it's true. I've always tried to have a sense of style. You know, I've always liked color. I'll never forget I had a picture made in, I think it was elementary school, and I was wearing a bright purple shirt and posing for the camera. So I think I've always had kind of a promoter, kind of PR instinct mm-hmm. in me. And I've always cared about, you're exactly right, the imprint that I put out there. So you're right on. You bet. Definitely, and that's awesome. And one of the coolest things, I was going through some of your pictures, and I have to ask you, the blue glasses, totally fabulous. So I have to know if those are like a staple, because those are so cool looking. They are so PR, so classy. So is that like a staple for you? Like do you have a vision problem, or is it just I'm really super cool and I wear those? No, I mean, I do have um, – uh, I, I'm, I'm short, uh, short-sighted. So I definitely mm-hmm. need those when I need to read or when I need to look important. I put those on. <laughs> <laughs> when I need to look important. Cause of course I don't wear them when I'm dancing because that kind of defeats the purpose. It doesn't look good when you're dancing. So I throw <laughs> them so off funny, to the that. side of the stage. That is so cool. Absolutely. Well, first of all, we're going to start off on the professional side of things, and then we'll bounce around and we'll talk about dance and all these other fabulous things that you've done. One of the things that I think is so crucial to ask you, because you are a top game in your field, is this. We all kind of work in the same field of public relations, and we all have noticed this trend or shift, meaning a huge push for the social media, a huge push for pay-to-play, et cetera, et cetera. So some of our listeners that are in the same field or trying to get into this field, can you please share some of your knowledge and wisdom, meaning how the industry has changed, and do you feel that we're going in more of a positive direction, or do you kind of feel like we're getting more polarized as we go along here? Well, I'm a little bit of an old-school guy, but I always try to keep up-to-date on trends. In fact, I'm working on a social media project right now for downtown Los Angeles. But I think the most important thing in my business is to have in in PR and marketing is to have enthusiasm and passion for what you do. And I think that's number one. And then I think surround yourself with a team that can help you implement uh, strategies that are on trend and also complement that with traditional marketing. You know, I still think glossy magazines are important. I think people want to leaf through a beautiful, you know, Eldercore magazine or a Angelino or the Hamptons magazine. People still want to have that tactile kind of approach or touch with their media. But then at the same time, I mean, we simultaneously have to be, um, you know, it's an overstimulated world, and we have to keep up with all the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook. It's very important. So I try to distill down my messages of traditional media into the short, you know, sound bites our attention deficit disorder requires these days. 
<laughs> that was so well put, actually. I know that um, someone in PR was saying this to me the other day, and I, I'm noticing a trend of this, too, actually. One of the things that your firm provides, and I get the sense of this often in reading some of the things that you've done in the past, is that you are very hands-on and very interpersonal with all of your clients. And I think nowadays, once again, with the trend with social media, we kind of get detached from our clients or detached from um, some of the projects and, and what what they are and who they are. So talk a bit about how important it is is to have that growing personal relationship with any PR client that you have. Yes, that's extremely important, Cindy. Um, I've always tried to let my clients know that I'm part of their family. I'm actually an extension of their marketing PR promotional arm, whether it's a hotel, a fashion designer, a shopping center, you know, an actress, an actor, an author. You know, I've done it all. I'm not a niche marketer. But you've got to be on their team. You've got to let them know that, you know, you're an extension of their brand. It's not about Valentine Group PR. It's about you're the extension and the communicator for their brand. And over-communicate. I have found that my clients, I, I think especially going back to your point about, you know, social media and how we have to, uh, be so reactive constantly, I think that makes it even more important that you're over-communicating with the client and letting them know what's going on and, and how you can help them. You got it. Now, of course, your group has been around. And I think on the other side, not to interrupt you, but on the oh, other I'm side sorry. of the coin. No, 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 go ahead. You know, the, the other side, and probably the more important side than even the client is going back to the media aspect. I mean, the media are the currency of what any good PR person does in their business, regardless of what category of, of marketing you're doing. If you don't have good media contacts, if you don't service that, those media and, and make yourself available to them, then you don't have any clients. So I really feel the media and your relationships with media are foremost that you can then bring that kind of uh, currency to the table with any client. It's very, very important to, to take care of the media and to take care of the people that get the message out. Oh, that's such a good answer. I really like that one. Yay! <laughs> Since I am currently interviewing him and all, et cetera, et cetera. No, that is a, that's a huge point, actually, and, and I see that happen a lot. And I've also noticed, too, it's become more difficult. That's the other point I wanted to ask you about. Um, to those that are listening in who work in this field, we talk a lot about pitching, whether it's to media, any form yep. of media, print, radio, et cetera. Some of the fundamentals, maybe if you could give two or three of the uh, top things that you make a point to put this. in a pitch. You're going to love my idea on this. <laughs> Here we go. Go for well, it, Steve. Tell me. My, my big deal is I call it a reverse pitch. My okay. The hallmark of, of why I think I've been successful in ingratiating the media to want to work with me, to want to, hey, what's going on with Steve Valentine and his client? I really would like to touch base with him. As many times I will do a reverse pitch where I will call the media and I won't pitch a client specifically will not pitch any of my clients. I'll call and I'll thank them for a great story they did or a great post they did and say how much I enjoyed it and how relevant I thought it was or what an impact I think it will be on the messaging they put out there to their audience. So I don't pitch anything many times. And it's not like I'm calling to chit-chat and be friendly because media don't have time for that these days. You know, the media, right. whether, it's, whether it's broadcast or print or online or – social. Mm -hmm. There's not time to chit-chat. How are you? I'm not talking about that. 
but I'm talking about having a conversation with them to let them know that what they're doing is important and that I support them. Then I go back, a, you know, a couple of days later or a week later or a phone call, a couple of phone calls later and say, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I thought this might be appropriate for you. And that's what I call my reverse pitch. Ah, I like that. Of course you are right. Of course I like that. Who doesn't like that strategy? That's so cool. And it's so <laughs> smart, actually. It, it really is. And, and, and sadly, you're right in terms of a lot of us just don't have that personal time. And, and it is a shame, unfortunately, because we, we have such a fast-paced world and so many different things and so many pitches and so much to address. So I totally get what you're talking about. Um, and I think now, the young kids started, Cindy, that are coming up, yeah. I think the young kids that are coming up in our industry um, – may, you know, have a challenge of thinking they can call in and say, oh, hi, how you doing? What's going on? What are you working on? That just doesn't work right. if you're seasoned and you know how busy these people are. I think you right. want the media to be able to know that, you know, Steve Valentine or whoever you're talking to, I like him because he's not he's not pushy. He's not super aggressive. Uh, I, I'll never forget one time when I was at the Blaze Company. I was a vice president at an agency in Venice, Marcy Blaze, who's a brilliant, brilliant mind in the, in the business for years. She said that um, one, you don't want the media to think of you as a hammer, of like constantly calling and saying, well, what are you doing for my client? Did you get that press release? Those are the no-no's. What are you going to do? Are you going to write something on my client? I think a lot of the younger kids think just because they send out a press release and put content out there that it's going to be picked up and usable and not. You know, you've got to develop a relationship and understand who you're talking to. Correct. I agree with you 150% there. And I think that that's integral because the first impression is never something that you can falter on. And I still believe that. I'm old school, too. It's like when you walk in the gate the first five minutes, there you go. I mean, you've already either proven your point or you haven't, and there you go, obviously. Um now, you formulated your group in 2000, obviously, to present day. So I want to ask you this question. Obviously, when you first started out, um, I, I like to be real on the show, meaning I'd love to be able to say that Steve Valentine has been perfect from day one, ever since the day he founded his PR oh group, ever since he started in PR. But there I'm here to tell you, nightmares. folks, that's probably not true. <laughs> so on the flip side of the fence, let's talk about when you first started out and were you petrified and, and what were some of the things that kept you going? Again, we're big on empowering people on the show, and I want to be real realistic and let them know if they're headed for a career in this, it's not so pleasant sometimes that it is high pressure and you may fail and you may not, you, do you know what I mean? Talk about some of the realities of your career, even when in those first days when you're first starting out back in 2000. Yeah, I, I think the first thing to understand is that I think a lot of people think PR people just plan parties and throw parties. And that's not the case. I mean, basically, you know, we're we're hacks, we're we're wordsmiths, we we're we're salesmen. And it just happens that the field we're in is a very kind of high level of, of sales. But I, I think that's the first misnomer is that, you know, it's not about just throwing a party. And when you do do an event, it's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of like working pieces. Uh, it's tedious. It's time-consuming. We've done Emmy parties and Oscar parties, charity events, and that's a lot of work. So I think that was the first thing that I learned in PR was educating the client and managing their expectations. Like here's here's how things are going to lay out, and not overpromising. It's easy to want to do it to overpromise, and to as PR people were were just prone to constantly elaborate or um, embellish. But I think working with the client, what I learned is to over-communicate, 
and to manage the expectations. You know, that's number one. And I think, you know, I, I think there's going to be, every time you deal with a client, there's going to be different levels of their, their being savvy about marketing communications and about media. And I think, you know, when you've done PR for as long as, as we have, a lot of us, you are an expert and you're regarded as an expert, but you have to be careful not to be arrogant. I'll never forget one time I was sitting in a meeting with a new restaurant and the owners and they had this great chef and they were talking about how great he was and this, that, and the other, you know, and I'd handled restaurants all my life. Uh, mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of saying, I mean, they kept talking about the chef and we want this and we want that and we want bon appetit and we want blah, 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 food and wine. And I said, well, your chef is no Wolfgang Puck. So that was one big mistake I made. You know, you can't, you have to be careful with the client because sometimes they're not savvy and they don't understand that just because they opened a new restaurant and have a chef that they're going to get in food and wine or bon appetit. But uh, I'll never forget that mistake that I made. Um, that was not a good communication with the client. Gotcha. That. And, of course, when you first started out, your PR business versus now, now looking back, et cetera, have you managed to accomplish a good number of the goals that you had when you first started? Because I think when we all get into business, we're all like, oh, yeah, I know we're going to do this, we're going to do this, this is how many clients I want, et cetera. Have you come to kind of uh, achieve all the things that you'd like, or do you find that you're just continuing to grow at a nice, slow pace, and eventually you'll get to where you're at? Because you've accomplished so much already. I just can't even imagine there's anything else on that list. I have accomplished a lot. I mean, I've been a, I've, um, you know, I started off as an assistant uh, to a guy that owned his own PR agency, and then I ended up, uh, you know, becoming a senior executive with him. I would advance on to becoming a vice president with another agency, and then I opened my own company. So, in the respect of growth, I think I've seen the gamut of starting from square one and then excelling to president of my own company. Um, I, I think the other thing is great about the business is I've, I've, ha- I've touched a lot of industries. I've never wanted to be a niche mark, never wanted just to handle beauty. I've never wanted just to handle retail. I right. am stimulated by a diverse roster, a diverse and rich roster. So I like having fashion. I like having an actress. I like having a fitness product, you know, and I've done stuff for, for Reebok. I've done stuff for Westfield shopping centers. I've, I launched Ava Mendez, the actress. She was my secretary. So I like to touch a lot of industries. And so the success of my company and my PR business has been that I've worked in a lot of industries and I've worked with a lot of high-profile big clients, luxury clients, big brands, and at the same time have helped other clients that I believed in uh, to get their messages out there and to have them uh, have increased exposure. I mean, I've, you know, I've worked with Zandra Rhodes, who's a very famous fashion designer, and got her in the New York Times in a retrospective of her whole career. But at the same time, I've worked with unknown, you know, California fashion designer startups. So I sure. enjoy the whole, you know, gamut, the polarization of, of doing both. You betcha. Well, and the other thing that's challenging about that is because you're not specified to one particular market, that means you can kind of jump around here and there. And it's fun to be able to jump around. I think different industries require different needs and different um, nurturing, if you will, because obviously we all nurture our clients and we nurture, you know, all those things. And so I think that that's important. Um, I want to talk about this because I know you were educated at the University of Mississippi, so you have your BA in business administration. Nowadays, we look at this and, and 
and forgive my ignorance, dudes, I've asked other PRs about this and never really gotten a firm answer, which is, is there such a thing as continuing education in the PR field or in the PR world? And if so, have you ever embarked on anything like that? Do you know what I mean? More like a oh formalized God, yeah. education. I agree. You know, I, I agree that I think continuing education is very important. I was just thinking today with this big social media campaign coming up, it's like I need to go in and take a mm-hmm. refresher course. You know, I should really go in and and take a refresher course and, and a social media platform and not so much just to, to learn new tactics, but to integrate right. with the millennials, for God's sake. I mean, oh God, yeah. I, I sat at lunch at Chaconi's Restaurant in West Hollywood a few months ago, mm-hmm. and this young kid who was very nice, we connected to talk about some a work that I was doing in West Hollywood. I'm the marketing chairman for the West Hollywood Chamber. So I brought him sure. in, and he was on his phone the whole time, you know, and he constantly was kind of over, um, how do I say, he was talking about all the things that were going on with his business mm-hmm. while he was trying to have lunch with me. So I think that's uh, the challenge for some of us that have been in the business for a while that are more seasoned is to better integrate with the young younger professionals that are coming up because they do work differently. They do think differently. And Correct. while I was, a, a, while I was initially put off in the beginning that he was on his phone and talking about it, how he had other interviews going on at the same time, which I did too, but I didn't talk about sure. it. I didn't have to promote myself so hard. Right. And, but as I sat down with him and relaxed and spent more time, I, I found that we had more in common than we, than we, than we had that was disproportionate. So I think there's a lot of similarities between the ages of people coming up now in the business and the ones that have been in it for a while. But I think anything Mm -hmm. you can do, like going back to uh, school and taking classes and continuing education would be helpful in that bridging that gap. Nice. Very nice. And I agree with you. I think millennials are are one of those markets, or or I should say one of those categories of individuals that some of us are just not quite as tapped into. It's harder when you age and get a little bit older, obviously. Um, But I think there's great to learn from maturity and wisdom and somebody who has been around as long as you have. At the salon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I have to ask you. And the big fancy uh, paisley ties. That's exactly right. Oh, my gosh. You need to talk about your affinity for West Hollywood because I've read in different interviews yeah. you going and, and speaking so very highly about what is it about West Hollywood that you just find so dynamic and so daring? And so why do you want to be in West Hollywood versus, let's say, the traditional, obviously, right directly in L.A. or Malibu or somewhere else? Talk about your love yeah. of that area because I'd love to hear it. Uh, it it's, it's, a, it's called the Creative City. And indeed it is. I mean, there's so many great industries there. There's entertainment, design, uh, hospitality, food and beverage. But it's really a small community within a really large metropolitan area. Um, I've done a lot of work in, in the community in West Hollywood. I actually worked with the mayor of West Hollywood back in 2006 when I started doing ballroom dancing as a, as a side thing. And they championed uh, the same-sex ballroom classes that I wanted to start up for the residents okay. of the community. So we did, So I just think that they're open to a lot of great ideas. All the top hotels are going into West Hollywood. All the top restaurants are in West Hollywood. And it's, it's, I love promoting that city, and I love promoting their energy. It's a very energetic city. It's a, very, uh, it's a great city that has a lot of advocacy issues that they want to promote. Um, 
Yeah, and it's just you know it's just it's it's part of LA, but it's it's a little more of a walkable, more community sensibility there. Oh, I understand. Small town in totally. a big city. Oh yeah, and, and it sounds amazing. Actually, I've never been to West Hollywood. It's my intention to get there just because of the fact I knew I was interviewing you. And you just you personify this image of this area just being so eclectic and amazing and so over the top sensational as it relates to being inspired. I thought I definitely have to. Wait. You know, that's the beauty of it is listening to someone like you talk about it, and then you say to yourself, you know what, I have to at least go visit there once, find out what the hoopla is all about. So. Thank you, Mr. Tourism. You're bringing us to the West Hollywood yes. area, and we appreciate that. It's great. That's awesome. It, it's great. Okay. It really is. A lot of events happen there. I went to the um, uh, HBO Emmy party, uh, the after Ooh, Emmy nice. party that they have every year. It's a huge event at the Pacific Design Center, which is acres and acres and acres of concourse. And they tented the whole thing and created like a Shanghai Xinhua event for like 3,000 people. It was amazing. It was absolutely nice. – and I wore my sequin jacket, of course, because at night yes. I like to break out the, you know, the, the sparkle and relax. Oh, so sorry. we had a good time. Oh, that's amazing. That is. Okay, now I'm going to use some words that Steve Valentine uses because, first of all, this is my favorite Steve Valentine word, and I want to know if you fit <laughs> into this category. You use the word prostitute. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so classic. Oh, my God. Prostitute. How did I use that? I don't even remember. <laughs> What context I want to know what a prostitute is. I want you to tell your audience that, and I want to know if Steve Valentine is a prostitute. You're just too classy for that, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more about you're always selling yourself, you know, right. and you're always, um, you know, you're you're always having to, to to put an image out there to to put a, you know, you're selling yourself as a package. I mean, I'm really not oh, selling yeah. PR when I go and meet with a client. I'm selling myself. So Correct. how I look, how I behave, how I talk, how I act is really what they're buying. They're buying me. So maybe in that sense, I I've, I've, was relating to like I was prostituting myself. But uh, you're selling yourself. And then after they get through that, you explain to them what you're going to do for them and try to make it, and try to make it happen, you know? I love that. That's, That's so awesome. funny. I, 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 just probably that. Said, I don't remember when I said that, but you're, you're, you're oh good, Cindy. You are good at picking out the nuggets. What can I say? That's my job. You know, we're all good in that whole little respect. But I am a journalist, so I'm kind of like, you know what, I so have to throw that in because I'm like, okay. Now, I want to know this, okay, because we'll talk about this in a minute. Before we get to the dancing component, I want to mention this because I wasn't aware that you were um, in part responsible, or actually you actually did create the Demi Kai, correct, for Bloomingdale's? The I did. Because I had read yes. that. Okay, I so talk a bit about that. called the Demi Kai. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so is the okay, Demi Kai so, still available? No, you know, I sold it for like three seasons in Bloomingdale's. I mean, I'm an idea guy. I think any person in okay. PR knows you constantly having to generate ideas. So I generate ideas. Like, you know, I did the ball, the ballroom classes that we'll talk about later. But the whole Demi right. Kai thing came as a result of, of what you're responding to about my presentation of how I look and what I like to do and how I like to present myself. So I started cutting off my ties really short because okay. I wanted the if you if a men's if you look at a men's tie it's really skinny for most of it it's like super skinny and when you tie it mm-hmm. it becomes too long and you've got a little skinny knot if you don't tie it in the right place so I chop most of the tie off so you have more okay. of a thicker fabric to make the tie and the knot so you get a much thicker sumptuous knot like an ascot or like a cravat by simply tying it in a, in a regular half Windsor knot and then it falls about to your third shirt button, 
and it's okay. it's a demi tie, like a demi toss or a demi glaze. And I started selling them to restaurants for the bartender, so it wouldn't dip into the ice, or the waiter, so it wouldn't dip into the soup. Then the L.A. Times saw it and loved it, and then from there I took my little samples that I sold myself to to uh, to New York and met with the buyers and had a blast. Sold to Bloomingdale's. That's so cool. That really is so cool. And people loved that. it. I mean, people thought that. it was unusual, unusual and interesting. Yeah. They would follow me into bathrooms and like, where did you get that? So I, well, I made it. So, and That's the other thing awesome. I wanted to do with the ties was use really beautiful fabric. So I used home furnishing fabric into a men's neckwear design. So I used like chenilles and jacquard sure. and fringe and tassels and zippers and buttons. And so I did all kinds of crazy things. I still wear them to this day. That is so awesome. That's so cool. I'm wearing one right now. Like this. Oh, my God. And we can't see it. Of course not. Sure, he's falling <laughs> it and none of us can see it. We still should make him post it on Instagram today. You have to do that. Make sure you get a post I will. on social media saying, here's this demi-tie. Remember that, folks? Yeah, I'm responsible for that. Oh, here's the demi-tie on, on Cindy's interview. That's exactly right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So, of course, every time I post up that I'm going to interview someone attractive, of course, they all swarm and they look at your photo. And I'm going to probably uh-huh. destroy everyone's hopes and dreams because, of course, I'm going to ask that magic question because we are about the love factor yeah. on the show. So, of course, I have to report that Steve Valentine is not single. All that fabulousness is not single. So... <laughs> We want to talk about the partner and why. Let me tell you why. I'm a firm believer in okay. the partner makes you top-notch, top-shelf, and improves you as a person and as a professional. So if you wouldn't mind, share with us a little bit about um, your partner, how long you've been together, and, and what is it about this person that makes you a better person, period, whether it's in the boardroom or whether it's, I don't want to say the bedroom, we're not supposed to say that, but in general, <laughs> overall, what, what is it that makes your world more wonderful because of your partner? Oh, that's so sweet, Cindy. Uh, you're like Barbara so Walters. You're gonna make me cry. Ding ding. Um, <laughs> I've been with my partner James Miller for over ten years. We just celebrated our tenth anniversary, and I think the cool thing about and I was actually with a woman for many years. So I love women and I love oh. all people, and you know. So okay. I, um, James, and I found each other, you know, ten years ago. And he's the exact okay. opposite of me. He's he's an IT. He's very calming. He's very um, you know steady. And so that's a nice balance. I think in a relationship, a balance is good because you both can't be sure. like a, you know running events and going to events and, and cocktails and always up True. and and stressed. And uh, he's exactly the opposite. And I think that balance and that comfort and that that place where I can go where there's a rock to stabilize me is, is wonderful. And, and, and conversely, you know, I get him out of his, can sometimes be kind of a, a hermit kind of vibe because he's an IT guy he's on the computer all day. So it's like, we're going to an event. We're going to this new restaurant to check it out. We've got to go do this. We've got to go see this person. So it's a back sure. and forth. It's a back and forth. And communication, oh. I think, is the key. I'm, I'm a communicator. Um, right. So I think communication in a relationship is really, really key. Debate you know, and being able to um, to talk. If you don't talk, that's where the problems, I think, can start arising. Oh, amen. But we're in that's different worlds, so it's really weird. He'll be talking about, 
you know, um, Excel sheets and data warehouses, and I just glaze over. It's like I don't have no idea what you're talking about. I start thinking about, oh, what am I going to wear to my event tomorrow night? Um, and then the same thing. It's like we're going to a fabulous, you know, uh, red carpet event. It's seven hundred fifty dollars a person. It's like, okay, well, can I wear jeans? Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. So, so I, is I have he, to drag him out. He, well, that's just it. Is he learning to just get some kind of a comfort with the carpet? Because I know when I ask people to go to events, sometimes <laughs> it's weird for them. And they're like, I totally don't know if I yeah. want to do that. But I'm like, it's fun. And they're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yes, it is. And they're like, no, no. So do you yeah. think he's just kind of acclimating to the fact that this is kind of going to be status quo, you know? I mean, because sometimes yeah. it's hard for your partner, you know? Yeah. I think I think if he knows it's important for me, I think if you're – your partner, your wife, your husband, your partner know that it's something that's important to you. They want to support you. I mean, we're in San Diego this weekend, and we just went to the American Cancer Society event where my oncologist and I performed our victory dance. Oh, right. Right. So I dragged him to that, and, and he likes it. He's very social. You know, he's very social. Okay. And I think most of the time when you go out with your partner to a work function or to a charity function, um, they find their own comfort zone, and he's very social and loves to talk to people and loves and, and loves to chat. So he can take care of himself. But, yeah, it is kind of weird. I think it's awkward because if you don't have a mission to be on the red carpet, it's hard to figure out, well, why am I here kind of thing. So you have to make sure right. your partner feels taken care of and that they're supported and you introduce them around. And I think that's the oh, yeah. key. You betcha. They have to be a little bit of the star of the night, too. They can't just be pushed off into the corner. Oh, I agree 100%. I think that's totally, totally on point. Um, And since I have you on the phone, if you don't mind me asking this question, because, um, (laughs) again, my show, there is nothing off limits. And and you're one of the most perfect people to ask this about. Um, Obviously, we live in the year 2017, and there's, well, someone running the country. Uh, yeah. And I want to ask you this question because you live in California. I'm in Wisconsin. I spend a lot of time in New York. So I already get the New York vibe, you know, and how they feel. What I want to talk to you about is, is very pressing. And the reason I'm doing this is I'm building this up to do a film on this, actually, about, oh, okay. obviously, of course, in the gay community, you know, we have an individual who's nominating individuals who want to take the rights away of people like yourself. So I just want to get a sense or feel for how are you feeling about this? How are you going? How are you coping with this? And and what do you feel we as regular citizens can do to try maybe try to prevent that from happening? Obviously, he's the president of the United States. We can't control who we nominate, but we all have voices. So we want to know how do you feel about all of this because it's becoming somewhat compressing for you, isn't it? And I would imagine frustrating and scary. Um, well, first of all, you you hit the nail on the head. I think um, we all do have a voice. And I think in right. every community and every part of the United States and the world, there are ways you can align with uh, other like-minded individuals for a variety of causes, whether it's supporting right. equality uh, for marriage, for uh, gay, lesbian, transgender uh, individuals, or whether it's you know supporting uh, a cancer event. I think you can align right. yourself in the community and magnify your voice. So whatever your feeling is, you can find those like-minded individuals and agencies and organizations and community groups where you can expand your voice. And I think if we all do that and kind of link together that way, it will have the trickle effect and the impact uh, to the ears, 
get to the ears of the people that are, are making decisions. I'm not scared. I've never been scared. I grew up in Mississippi. I always just was true to myself. I've never been like uh, a, 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 you know, a hardcore activist and pushing any kind mm-hmm. of agenda. I've just been myself. And, you know, in college I had a TV show where I was a dancer. And I bet I prob- probably a lot of people thought I was gay. I didn't even really know for sure at that time either. But I was just Steve. You know, I was showing joy. I was communicating through my business. I was communicating through my extracurricular activities and doing things in, at the university and in the community. I taught disco dancing lessons in Mississippi when I was going to college. So I've always stayed very, very active. And, and I think a good point is that's the reason I wanted to start the same sex ballroom classes in West Hollywood. And I, I talked to the mayor. She championed it. We did it through the Parks and Recreation Department. And, I again, I wanted to communicate that it's okay for – first, I wanted to offer it as a service so that two men or two women could learn how to function as a lead and a follow. You know, uh, technically, right. that's an issue. So I wanted people to be able to take classes and learn how to do it. And I wanted to show that it was exciting and fun and provocative and I didn't want people to be uncomfortable. I wanted to show the dance form in, in a same-sex setting, two men or two women dance together, could be a fun to watch. And they didn't have to, it didn't have to feel icky. It, 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 right. it could be nice and exciting and empowering and um, something that people could walk away with and enjoy. And uh, that has, now that kind of messaging back then for equality that we're speaking to has now, for me, in the dance, has transferred into helping cure cancer. So the message has always changed, but you just stay true to yourself. Excellent point, as a matter of fact. And I was going to bring that up, actually. And how exciting that must have been when you were actually working together and establishing that same-sex ballroom thing. I was so uh, impressed when I saw that. Like, that's so amazing, and that has to be so comforting for individuals. And plus, too, I, I think it's a long time in coming. You know what I mean? I'm kind of embarrassed in our society that some of these steps we're taking in the right direction take so long to get into that direction. You know what I'm saying? There should be no excuse for that, in, in my opinion, obviously. But, of course, unfortunately, right. I don't run the country. Working on it <laughs> little by little by little here. Okay, another Steve And Valentine I think I can, do, I can do that oh, in no, my go ahead, business, honey. too. Uh, okay. I, we can do that in your business, too. You don't have to just take it on personally. Like when I worked with the Beverly Center in Los Angeles, one of the top shopping centers in Los Angeles, um, I brought in Jesse Tyler Ferguson and his husband, the actor Jesse Tyler Ferguson on Modern Family, and his husband, Justin Makita, oh, yeah. have an organization called Tie the Knot, where they make bow ties, and all of the proceeds of the sales go to marriage for equality issues. And it was an online store only, so it was only available on a website. So I had the idea, let's do a pop-up brick-and-mortar location at the Beverly Center. We did it for several years there, hugely successful. And, again, that's a way that I can help, uh, you know, reach Washington through maximizing an effort by bringing them into some of my business operations. So it's personal, and you can sometimes marry that with some of your business that you're doing for our clients. That is amazing, definitely. Okay, quote number two. You're going to like this one. I read this in an article. You were interviewed and you had said this. 
It's all about the plunging necklines and the bling, and he's not lying, folks. Like, literally. I just laughed when I saw that because I'm like, you are so on point. It's scary. Now, of course, he's he's uh, not just talking about real life, folks. He's talking, of course, about a dancing contest. So we have questions relative to dance. First of all, obviously, I want to take away the misnomer that, no, you don't have to be gay to do ballroom dancing. I've tried it. <laughs> I, I've only tried it once, mind you. But I think everybody walks around, and they're like, well, of course only the gay people ballroom dance. Wrong, folks. That means when you're 80, you can still be out there kicking it. So, first of it all, I want to talk gay about... because there's so many sequins. It's not really gay. <laughs> it just looks gay. There's so many sequins and sparkle and glue and glitter. That's why. I mean, it's fun. Oh what kind God. of dance did you do? Did you do Latin or did oh. you do the standard, like the waltz and foxtrot? Or did you do the it Latin? Was just, it was dance? only just the standardized stuff, only because I had this one free class. I was like, okay, I went to Fred Astaire Dance Studios <laughs> here in Wisconsin. I tried it once. Nice. But I'm like, seriously, I want to. I do want to find the time to do it because dance is very liberating. That's one of the things we're going to talk about today. I don't think oh, people yeah. really realize it's going to another dimension. It's getting away from the inhibitions. I think, you know, it drives me nuts when it – I hate to say straight guy, but oftentimes it is a straight guy, and they're like, well, I do the white man dance, and I can't, you know, I'm in love with you, Cindy, Uh but I can't dance with you. Are you joking me? It's the (laughs) biggest expression, I think, of love, whether it's love for yourself, love for your body, et cetera. So first of all, talk about where your love of dance came from, and then tell the folks if they want to try to get into it, meaning yeah, it's ah. nice to play around with it. But if they seriously want to start competing, talk about your journey a little bit and how all of this transpired. Okay. Uh, I've, I've danced all my life. But back in junior high, I would have all the classmates come over to my house, you know, on the weekends, and we'd do the line dance, the disco line dances. And then I oh started God. with my sister, becoming my dance partner, and we would do little, you know, we would try to, to learn how to do it by watching, you know, some of the TV shows, Dance Fever, and some of that stuff. Um, then I, when I was in college, I met a beautiful girl, Cindy, a half Japanese girl, gorgeous. Uh, she used to take my uh, disco dance classes and we became friends and eventually we became, uh, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend couple during college. And she was my dance partner. She was amazing. We won all kinds of contests and started, that's how I kind of started competing in college. Um, fast forward, I just, I've never really trained professionally in ballroom, but I've kind of uh, taught myself. And here and there now, I've taken a lot of ballroom classes, of course, and done some training. But I I started competing when I organized the classes in uh, West Hollywood. I had three different instructors, and my last instructor was a Hungarian uh, competitive dancer that had been on Hungary's Dancing with the Stars. He was great, Robert Tristan. And he's the one that encouraged me to start competing. And I love to compete. I mean, obviously, a lot of PR people are type A and oh, God, you know, they're yeah. aggressive and they're competitive. So oh, I yeah. love to compete. And like you were saying earlier, it's, it's such a wonderful expression of, of um, showing your, your power and your enthusiasm and your passion. But it's a very great athletic accomplishment. I mean, I'm in such good shape. Uh, it's like running a marathon, especially when you're taking oh. class regularly or you're, if you want to try to compete, which I would suggest you can do. Um, in mm-hmm. an amateur level with, you can do a pro-am, it's called pro-am. So an amateur, if you're just starting out, can compete with their instructor. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's mentally challenging. It's, it's emotionally challenging and it's physically challenging. It's great. 
Now, the so you need to get with your instructor and start learning a choreography, uh, Cindy, and then you can start competing. <laughs> yeah, because I, I have all the time in the world to do that, Steve. Right? Because PR doesn't <laughs> take time, radio doesn't take time, You're film right. festivals don't it take takes time. a lot of time. I'll, You're right. You're I will. Right. Find it does time. take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I know, but you know what? It's good for the soul. You know, it's one of those things. Everybody has to have something that's good for the soul. Writing is very good for my soul, so I get that. But no, Correct. that's my goal for 2018 is to, when you start having, and we'll get into the health issue thing, and I'm sure we both concur on this, when you start having significant health issues or health issues that cause an impediment to you, you start looking at the grand scheme and saying, okay, yeah, why am I not dancing and why am I not running yeah. and why am I not out right. having wine, et cetera, so that sort of thing. But you talk about plunging necklines and bling, and I'm thinking part of that is not just dress up for the ballroom. It's dress up for Steve because he just likes it. So talk to the folks that are out there and if they're yeah. doing their ballroom dance competing, how important is it to to look as well uh, as you um, cascade around that floor? You know what I'm saying? Is yeah, the look ex- just as important? I'm an exhibitionist. I'm an extrovert. I love performing. I love the attention. I think because I'm in PR all the time giving everyone else their attention, it's nice to be able to turn it on myself mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I like showing my talent and, and being recognized for it. You know, our job as PR people is to make other people look good. So it is fun to turn it on me right. to look good. When I was prepping for the competition, and you're so right about the quote, that was from the L.A. Times uh, article before we right. were going to Cologne. And um, the LA Times also did a beautiful video. You can get it on YouTube, actually. It's gorgeous. Uh, they shot it at Smashbox here in LA. I think if you gotcha. type in, like, Steve Valentine, Gay Ballroom Dancing, it'll pop up. But, okay. um, yeah, you want to – I made sure that I was my body was in great shape because I didn't want to look effeminate either since I was dancing with a man. I was following for the oh. first time, too. I was taking right. traditionally the female role. So I made sure that I looked buff, that I had big guns, you know, big biceps, big okay. chest, you know, so I could so I could fill out that deep plunging neckline, um, you know, the hair and the glitter, you know. And my partner back then, Robert Tristan, used to say, you know, when you're headed to a competition with the smell of a spray tan, because everyone spray oh, tans in the dance competition. So when you smell oh, that spray God. tan, you know you're off and running. But yeah, you you oh, want right. to. It's, it's an intimidation tactic, too. You know, you're having the right costume and having the right look and having that confidence and that, that kind of um, that whatever your flair is and exposing that is intimidation mm-hmm. in the ballroom, you know, because you want to intimidate the other, the other team. So feathers, whatever it takes, feathers, rhinestones, oh deep plunging necklines, you know, you got to put it all in there. And that's why Cindy said at the start, no, you don't have to be gay, because I know what you all are thinking right now. Did he just say feathers? <laughs> yes, he did. And plunging necklines. And, of course, who doesn't love bling? We all love bling, obviously. And it's working for him because he is a gold medal winning ballroom dancer. And, obviously, you started to say earlier, and this is probably the part where I'm going to cry, you started earlier to let everybody know that you recently were performing with your dance partner, who also happens to be your oncologist, which would signify yes. that – at one point in your life, George is wonderful in terms of health as you are right now. So um, I think it's hugely important to speak about this, first of all, about um, what happened to you health-wise in terms of your diagnosis, and then talk a bit about, this is very important, but I oftentimes talk to folks, I have a friend right now going through this, his daughter just got diagnosed, and um, he's petrified, he doesn't know what to say to her, he mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do to help her. I think it's important that you talk about your journey as well as... Okay. 
some of the top two or three things that helped you most during treatment. Oh, definitely. Or while you were trying to make your way through. Definitely. Please. Thank you. Okay. Well, it wasn't so long ago, honestly. I was uh, in... I had to go have emergency surgery in January of 2016. So that was just last year uh, because um, there was a lymphoma in my intestines that burst my intestines. I almost died. So, and it was so funny because all the tests had happened the, the holiday before. So I was taking like all these tests over like Christmas Eve and Christmas week prior to January of 2016. And then by the time I got the results back, I already had to go to the hospital. But, I went through all the chemo down in La Jolla at Scripps, beautiful hospital, like a resort, gorgeous golf courses and, and ocean views and hot air balloons going by your, you know, by your room at Scripps, La Jolla, so you have to be sick. That's a good place to go. But uh, they took good care of me there. And um, I fast forward in August of uh, last year, I was in complete remission. I went through all the rounds of chemo. I did preventative chemo with, you know, the spinal taps where they do that. Right. Um, so it was rough. I was 123 pounds. I'm now like 178 and have all my muscle tone back. But the cool thing, the odd thing and the blessing from, you know, the heavens above is that this oncologist and her team that were put into my path um, was the new message that I think as a PR person I was destined to tell. And she told me in her bedside manner, she, this just is a woman that used to come into the room. And if you go look at the videos later, then you can tell people again, you can uh, ball, uh, see here's how dance keeps coming back. So if you do a uh, ballroom dancer, cancer patients, T Valentine, another set of videos will pop up and you'll see how beautiful and graceful this woman is. She used to come into my room before I knew she was a ballroom dancer. And I thought this woman is amazing. I feel so good when she comes in. She cares. It was beyond the treatment for her. It was about the whole person. And her name is uh, Dr. Irene Hutchins. And we learned about each other through the social media director uh, there, the social uh, services director. He said, did you know sure. that Dr. Hutchins is a former competitive ballroom dancer? And he would tell her, did you know Steve was a ballroom dancer? Of course, I had some of my feather pictures up in, in the hospital. Sure. So she promised me that if I'd get better, that we'd go dancing, and we did. We started dancing socially. I would go out with her friends. One of her ballroom friends was a Harvard physicist. The other one of her ballroom friends was a, like, psychologist at Kaiser. So it was very intimidating, but her and I both slowly renewed our passion for dance. She hadn't danced in 10 years. I hadn't danced in six years. So I wow. think that was the other interesting thing. It was us about um, re, uh, finding that passion again because we hadn't we hadn't danced in so long. We had put it aside. So it was good for her too. She tells me these days now that it was it was good for her as well to come back to that. I uh, so uh, so we now have kind of become ambassadors for scripts and for organizations like the American Cancer Society. Mm -hmm. like the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And um, my, my goal now is to tell the story as a communicator, as a PR person, to tell the story of hope and uh, to be able to get through a cancer diagnosis. And to answer your question, what are the three things? Here's the three things I learned. I learned that you have to have a goal. So by Dr. Hutchins telling me that 
I could get out of the hospital, I could get better, and if I worked hard at it, we would dance. So that's number one, have a goal. It doesn't have to be a goal to dance. To have, don't lose sight of your goals. Don't forget that you're a person. Just because you're sick in a hospital bed for months at the end, don't forget that you have things you want to do. I think the other thing I want people to know is you've got to work with your team. Believe in your team. Believe in yourself, but believe in your team that they want to help you and work with them. Don't fight with them. Work with them as a team. Let them help you. Debate with them when you need to, but they're there to be your project managers. And Dr. Hutchins led my project management. And the last thing I want people to know is you've got to have hope. Don't lose hope and put one foot in front of the other. It's very cliche, but I believe a positive attitude changes everything. It may, it will differ for everyone. And it sure. may, even if it moves the meter one little inch, that's important because that can affect how your healthcare goes. The, your whole mental state, I feel, can change however small or however large for the individual person's problems, but it can enact change. So you've got to have hope. Those are my three things. So work with and, the team. And it's so amazing. Work with your team. Have hope, but have a goal. I kept working. I was When I first got into the hospital, I was on morphine, and people thought I was planning an event. So I'll put the flowers over there. Put the step and repeat over there, step and repeat over there. I was like doing this whole event thing when I first got into the hospital. Uh, people tell me now, you know, because I was out of it. Oh but I was gosh. still doing oh, my sure. job. I was still working as a PR person. Oh, my gosh. Well, and the conversation that we had the other day was this. Uh, obviously, as being a patient, um, I imagine that some people with, with, again, not having the same skills or tools because we're not going through that, is it more or less effective for us um, – we tend to be empathetic, you know, I'm so sorry, what can we do for you? And kind of coddling, if you will. Is that maybe the right approach or maybe an approach we should probably revere away from in terms of dealing with patients, et cetera, because um, I'm not quite sure which is more effective. Which helps you more? Because oh, okay. so, I imagine um, it, it must be tough. I mean, I know myself, that's the first inclination. I'm so sorry, what can I do for you? What can I do to make this better? Uh-huh. Obviously, uh-huh. I can't cure cancer. We all can't cure cancer, clearly. But... Um, Obviously, we don't want to. Make you know what? That's interesting, work, so I guess. Cindy. That's that's hard, and I I think that we have to go beyond what can I do. I think every right. person that has someone that's sick or in the hospital or knows someone, I think don't put the burden on the patient about what can I do. It's too overwhelming. There's so much stuff overwhelming. It's just do what you do best for that person. You know, gotcha. make a stance. Um, do what you do and provide that part of you that you want to contribute to the situation. Don't ask the questions, just do. Just do. Now now that you're on the other end of this, of course, now in terms of aftercare, et cetera, now will you continue to be monitored as carefully, meaning every three months or something, or um, what happens at this point then? Well, the the interesting thing and the lucky thing for me, is, which is very rare, is I have a relationship with my oncologist now. I see her socially. Oh, right. I mean, we're friends. Gotcha. Isn't that crazy? Gotcha. That's so that never <laughs> well, happens, not really. right? You, not, not if you. Oh no. You get out of the hospital and see. hopefully you never see your oncologist ever again. Right? Well, right. <laughs> right. I get yeah. <laughs> From that point, but no, yeah. to answer your but, question, yeah, the, you know, there's blood work every three or four months just to check how the blood right. is doing, and if there's no any complications, I mean, I 
I probably would see Dr. Hutchins maybe once every six months, I suppose. But, I mean, professionally. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay, got it. So very, it. very little follow-up for me. Everyone's case is different. But um, for me, I'm in good shape, and I think I'm in good shape because this is the message of hope and um, inspiration that I want to really take widespread. You know, we were on Inside Edition, which is a great piece. It's a really, really good piece oh, that Inside God, Edition yeah. did in August. And I hope I, I hope that we make it to the Ellen Show. They've expressed some interest, and in that's going to the Ellen Show. I have a good relationship as a PR guy, obviously, with the show The Doctors. I think Dr. Hutchins would be oh, amazing yeah. to go on The mm-hmm. Doctors TV show, and then we do our little dance. But she talks about how um, her patient care is not just about treatment. It's about who that person is. Um, oh, so, yeah, I think we'll continue in 2018 uh, doing a lot of work. And having more impact, That's I hope awesome. a bigger impact. And to those and of course, there'll be in, a splash of bling. There'll be a splash oh, of bling and all that. <laughs> I don't want to forget to say this <laughs> because I will forget. Um, the, it all starts by the obvious, which is this, folks. That means you have to get checked out. That means you have to go to a doctor. That means if you suspect something, etc., um, keep with your checkups, routine checkups. Yes. If something yes. seems out of whack, go get it checked out. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Correct. Don't you assume, know, you don't know your body, and you know if there's a signal. Right. You know that there's a signal, so go and, and deal with that. Amen. Exactly. Now, listen to this, folks. Not only has he been listed as LA Weekly's 50 most interesting people, hell, I can't even get to be number one interesting to anyone. Second of all, he has been the recipient for the PRism Award, which is basically the Oscar for PR, on top of which he has contributed in the past to the E! News Network, USA Today, and Fox TV. See how badass he is? I've done none of that. <laughs> so basically, I'm nothing. But thanks, Steve. Um, no. So I have a question relative to this. Um, when when you hear someone like me rattle these things off and say, hey, oh, my gosh, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this. Honestly, in all honesty, if we cut right to the chase, what do you feel your number one reason is or what's the number one reason in your own mind why it is that you feel that you were showered with such accolades, meaning the PRism award um, that's huge. You know, that's about as big as you go as it relates to the PR world. You know, being the most interesting person in the world, to some people may not seem like an accolade, but it's huge. Why? Because you're not the status quo. You're not the norm, and that's fabulous. Um, contributing to some of these major medias is awesome. So why you? What is it about Steve Valentine that's so superior in some respects that makes our industry say he's top-notch, in your opinion? Oh, my God, Cindy. Good question, right? I feel like I'm I on know. a psychiatrist's couch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but you got to no, get no, to those good. questions. I think, you know, I think it comes from um, what everyone in their work, what, what everyone wants in their work is they want to, and they want to have right. passion for what they do. And every time I talk to a client, that's what sells them is the enthusiasm. It's not that I you know, did commentary on E, it's not this, it's like that, that enthusiasm and that, uh, that love of what you do, I think is, is super key. And I think I've been successful, honestly, because I've been blessed, just like I've been blessed recently with this health crisis. I think that I am a communicator. I think there's a lot of different messages I've given over the years, and I'm, I'm trying to now be more guided about the messaging I give to the world uh, that I can that can be helpful. I want to help. The world is you know has so many problems, and 
I have been blessed with a lot of talent from God, you know, from the heavens, a lot of talent. And now I'm kind of funneling new ways to use that talent and to send messages to, you know, if it's to the, the world that's struggling with uh, same-sex issues, to the world that's struggling with disease, maybe I can talk in those arenas and impact and help someone that's struggling, even one person. It's very cliche, but there's so many people that do need help that don't have resources. And I just I want agree. them to know, um, I want them to have a few tools, and maybe I can provide a few tools to help get them to the next level. And then you wondered why I was afraid to talk to you. Did you hear that, folks? Sensation <laughs> all. I can't stand myself. This is like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. Okay, because we're about shameless promotion on my show, we're still going to talk about your current roster. I picked out three different people here that I'd like you to tell the folks about why. Oh, because okay. 2,000 people are going to hear this, and they'll probably want to hire you and dump me after this interview. Thanks so much. So there's three well, specific don't worry. You're getting areas your commission, I look at. Cindy. You're getting your commission. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's joking, okay? You're Maybe a date, seat. though. That wouldn't be, like, worst. Okay, don't I worry. I have a question about that. I'll teach you the cha-cha. <laughs> that's what we'll that do. would be so cool. And then teach me how to dress with bling and plunging necklines. Oh, wait, oh, you have that, to have that's the fun that, part. which I don't. That's, uh, that's the shopping part will be the fun part with our cocktails. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, we're going to talk about three different areas of your clientele. First, um, there's three different types, and, and obviously these, is, these are just a small sampling of his current roster, but I just picked the ones out that I found interesting. Um, okay. Obviously, I want you to talk about Dr. Sam. I'd like you to mention uh, your affiliation with Genlex and LA Magazine. And, of course, talk to us a bit about um, Sofitel and Mandarin Oriental Hotel, please. These are some of the folks right, on his right. current roster. Well, the hallmark of my agent, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not a niche marketer, so I've done all kinds of categories of business, but the hallmark of my agency has always been hospitality. I used to be known in LA as the restaurant PR guy. I handled lots of restaurants and a lot of high-profile restaurants. I worked with Ludovic Lefebvre, who is very famous now, who does, um, uh, he has a cooking TV show, I think, on Sundance Channel. Ludovic worked at Leongerie Restaurant on Restaurant Row in L.A. Ooh. So the, the hallmark has been hospitality. My big client now is a, a five-star luxury hotel group called Mandarin Oriental Hotels. It's worldwide, and I'm the West mm-hmm. Coast guy. We have a New York agency, and I'm the West Coast agency. So I love working with Mandarin Oriental. So that's kind of the hospitality um, side. And then uh, you mentioned uh, Dr. Sam Salah. It was yep. great to work with. I've actually worked with three celebrity dentists. I worked with Dr. Kevin Sands, was my first one. He did Britney Spears, um, Dr. Sam Salah. I brought him Nene Leakes from the Housewives of um, Atlanta. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a lot of fun. And I'm, and I'm currently working with another celebrity dentist. His name is Dr. David Frey. And we did a okay. segment recently with the gorgeous Zendaya, who was just in the new Spider-Man movie. She is oh, a yeah. sweetheart. She's on that show, uh, Casey Undercover on Disney. She was a Disney star, and now she's you know, oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. mainstream films. Zendaya, right. she's beautiful. She's on the cover of Vogue in September. So, yeah, so that's, that's fun. That's the professional side, and I think right. it's easy to sell hospitality because it's all about you know, lifestyle and relaxation and spa and food and beverage. On the doctor, right. the cosmetic dentistry and uh, plastic surgery side is all about you know, trends and um, commentary on what to do and how to do it and how to look good, how to stay young, how to be beautiful. 
And then the other one you mentioned was, what was the other one you wanted me to talk about? The media, actually. Uh, the, um, the two magazines. Oh, the, the magazines, yeah. Genlux and LA I've Magazine, a, yep. Yeah, I've done PR for a lot of media. Uh, Los Angeles Magazine, I was their PR guy for like eight years. So my job was to bring exposure to the content and take it into other media platforms. For example, if the fashion writer was doing something on, you know, bikinis, I would, I would push that out onto the broadcast media so that they got additional coverage. Genlux Magazine is great. It's a fashion pub. Um, I've worked with uh, Tribune Broadcasting, the local LA channel. I've worked with the Weather Channel. So I've done a lot of media too. It's, it's fun and some production and entertainment. Right. Uh, as well. And, you know, you're going to have one of my entertainment clients on soon, Elizabeth Rome, who was well-known for Law & Order. Yeah. Yes. And now she's doing a lot of stuff on Netflix, and she's in a new – actually, she's been in Puerto Rico for Crackle TV, and they had to shut down production right. twice. Right. So – and she's an ambassador for Red Cross, so she's been actually helping. Uh, she goes back down later this month, and she's helping the Red Cross provide donations. Uh, to the crew and she's to some beautiful. of the family of the crew. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's breathtaking. She's, oh, my God. That woman is gorgeous. She's oh. great. She's, Good God. She's, oh, my God. Uh, Another one she's I'm actually going to the, the cancer benefit in L.A. tonight. I went to the American Cancer Society event, event in uh, San Diego last night, and she's going to the one up in L.A. tonight. So, Elizabeth oh, Rome, nice. guys, uh, Cindy's going to be chatting, so make sure you guys tune in for that. I am. As a matter of fact, she's my last interview before I go off the air for like two weeks. Um, my film festival oh, okay. is at the end of the So she's like literally my very last interview, and then I come back on Halloween, and then I'm doing one of the girls from uh, – are you watching the Bravo uh, Real Estate War show? One of the girls from the show is coming on on Halloween. Oh, day, wonderful. I so love I'm excited. I'm a little show. nervous. They're a little vicious on that <laughs> show. I mean, they're like jugular, like literally. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm like – Oh, my God. These people are going to kill one another. It's worse than PR, I think, in some regards. Like, literally, I think us as PR people pretty much are nice to each other for the most part. But these yeah. people, they're, like, ruthless. And they're like, I can't believe he just walked in this room. And he's dead. That it's not. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm You'll a little nervous fine. about having them. She will love you. Thank you. And I have a Real Housewife coming on. And I know you're a Real Housewife fan. So I have a who, question who? for you. I've worked with Lisa Vanderpump a lot. I've done <gasps> a lot of work with Get Lisa out. I've never done Lisa. I'm having one of the yeah. New Jersey girls on, and I'm not going to say okay. which one yet. I'm going to make you wait okay, cool. because you're my Facebook friend. You'll see it on there. But this is what I will well, ask do you. Do this for Why me. Why do you not have in the interview? In the interview, make sure yes. she has a white tablecloth set with a whole bunch of china on it, and make her pull the tablecloth or turn the table <laughs> over, so she can hear all the crashing. That's wild. Oh my god! <laughs> I would love to hear you all that background up. noise during her interview. I just turned a table over. I do it all the time. Let's see you. So you funny. need okay. I want to know how is it that you live in California and you, Steve Valentine, do not have your own reality show. I'm not joking about this. Seriously, oh, have you given this bit. any thought? No, Seriously. I've done a little bit. I I pitched a really? client to Extra years ago. Yeah, she was the Baroness okay. of Bel Air. She was beautiful. She was uh, the widow okay. of this guy that brought the Audi company to the U.S. She was she was African American. Okay. She was young, gorgeous. So. They liked the segment we did on Extra so much, they made it a little web series. So I was like the second banana. I was her like PR guy. So it was her and I and a few other people. So I did that. And then um, I've co-hosted a radio show, a lifestyle show for a couple right. of years. But, yeah, I, you know, when, when I was doing the dancing, I was approached to possibly do some kind of TV shows. It just never came to fruition. But I'm still working on stuff. Maybe one day. I would love to do that. It would be fun. Yeah. 
I, I was just going to say that, and then, of course, I was going to mention the radio show thing because you used to do radio like I do radio. So my question is, yes. I almost think, like, it might not be a bad idea. I don't know if you thought about this, but maybe doing a segment, like with Dr. H on the radio or even going back to radio, you have a great voice for it, and God knows you're interesting enough. That's why I'm wondering why you're not doing radio now. Is that I a bad question? I, I could love- totally see it. I love doing the radio show, and in fact, we may be getting that show going again. But that was with Susan Irby, Bikini Lifestyles, and um, and that actually turned out to be a PBS show for like uh, I think it was like six episodes. But we had a blast, and I do love radio. I love it a lot. So I think something else will be coming up. We'll see. Yay! We like this definitely. Now, my last question before the do we do the business stuff because of course um, we always it used to be for the first whole two years of my show, I used to ask every guest. I wanted to interview somebody. He was a celebrity actor. And not only have I now interviewed him, but I'm going to meet him in person. So now I don't have to ask people for a cell phone number anymore. But there's a new person I want to interview. And if anybody would have her cell phone number, I know it's Steve Valentine. So I know you're not going to let me down. I know you're going to say, yes, Cindy, I have this celebrity's phone number, and I'm going to give it to you. So I'll ask the <laughs> question. And I know you're just okay. going to say, okay, so – one of the top five interviews of all time in my life, besides, of course, interviewing Steve Valentine, is I want to interview Cher. Oh, so wow. I know you're going to say. Oh, well, I know her director. I know, Cher. I know oh, her director. Oh. Well, th- this goes back to dance. This goes back to dance. Her director that directed her Vegas shows is Doriana Sanchez. Doriana really? Sanchez is the very the woman that created the dance, the hustle, not the line dance, okay. the hustle, but that she basically created the partner dance of the hustle that you'll see in some of my videos. We do a little bit of hustle in the uh, doctor patient um, showcase. So Doriana Uh-oh. Sanchez, I might be able to get to Doriana to get to share for you. Oh, my God. She's just like, isn't she just so, and again, she's not just for gay people, because I've heard that before, too, like, oh, all the gays like her. No, everyone likes her. Just a clarification, I don't think anyone doesn't love her. I mean, am I wrong here? I mean, Cher is like, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even have words. I don't even know if I could interview her, because I'd probably pass out and die. But I'm like, she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. And now I almost well, she, forgot, she, but she I do would, have a question. She would come to Wisconsin for you. <laughs> oh my God! I would like to, I would give up half my leg for her. Okay, maybe not really, I know. but I mean seriously, I'm like right, like just to be in a room with that like icon, I can't even begin to tell you. So yeah. the last two things I want to ask you because yes, of course, this begs to ask two more questions. Have you been watching Will and Grace? That's the first one because yes. everyone has to watch Will and Grace, by the way. So what do you yes. think? What are your thoughts here? Because I'm kind of I don't know if I'm 100 percent excited yet, Steve. What are you thinking? I'm like I don't well, know. I'm kind of with you. I'm there I mean, I'm very. I'm very encouraged. I'm very encouraged by it. I think it's like a family member you haven't seen for a lot of years or you're only seeing them right. like every reunion every 10 years. So I think we have to kind of get to know them again. But I think there's some funny stuff happening. Uh, the I only agree. thing that bugs I, me a little bit is that it seems like they're kind of in the same place they were 11 years ago. They've not really matured very right. much. But right. maybe that's why we right. like them. So well, we'll no, see a I couple agree. more episodes. And, and I love Exactly. And I love the fact that Leo was just on last week. I'm like, oh, my God, I could just stare at Harvey Connick forever. I'm like, yay. I don't I know, know if right? they're going to end up together, but it's a good start. But truth be told, every week I watch, I'm starting to learn. I used to think I was 
I was a complete Grace, and now I'm starting to think I'm a complete Karen. I probably shouldn't say that on here because she's a raging well, alcoholic. Well, I had a client husband. that ended up marrying Sean Hayes. Oh, my God. So, are you serious? Yeah. I represented West Hollywood, a DJ, a DJ okay. Scotty K, and I did his uh-huh. PR. And I actually booked him on the Ellen show as one of their first uh, DJs, and he oh didn't keep the gig. I, I won't say why, but he didn't keep the gig but for a couple of weeks. But at any rate, the next gig I set up for him was a, some kind of big event. Sean Hayes was okay. there. He met Sean, and they started dating, and now they're married. So he kind of credits oh, me with introducing him to his God. husband. That is so cool. Oh, my God. So and that's my Will and Grace Jack, connection. Right? Oh, my God, yeah. that's so awesome. Just Jack. I just love that. Just Jack. Okay. So the very last question, of course, I save the best for last because, you know, because you're so good at what you do, I have to ask this question because one of the reasons I got into this industry is because as a little girl, I used to dream about Hollywood, and I used to dream about being on a carpet, and now yeah. I'm fortunate enough to do so. But I have to tell you that my heart sinks, you know, year in and year out. I'm starting to sadly figure out that Hollywood isn't as glamour sometimes as we'd like it to be mm-hmm. and unfortunately True. some of those stars, which is superb well and that brings me to my question which is I'm, I'm trying to save my hope that good souls still exist in Hollywood so if there's anything you could say about well there's Harvey there's a Harvey Weinstein out there which begs us to ask the question um, is there any I want to believe that in Hollywood and you're a perfect example good souls like yourself are still there and they're still doing the good thing and they're still honest and genuine. Does the business, is this, with the advent of this coming out, uh, is a lot more of this going to come out? Is this just something we've kind of learned to realize, okay, casting couch stuff happens, but we're not acknowledging it. Now we have the Harvey Weinstein scandal coming out. Um, Is Hollywood still that honorary place that we hold it to be in our hearts, or are we finding that, sadly, um, our industry is kind of becoming more of a less glamorous place? I'm not quite sure how to put this. My heart just sunk when I saw that, and I thought, you know, please tell me that Hollywood isn't isn't falling apart. (laughs) No, no, Hollywood is still the, the magical... A place of inspiration and creativity. It always will be. I think the industry is like any other industry you go into. I mean, the right. workplace and entertainment is not any different from the corporate boardroom where women aren't getting their due, where right. women are being passed over, where women are uh, are being uh, neglected or abused. I mean, it's in every industry. It just so happens that this is no. a sexy spotlight on something that we're all interested in, you know, it's, it's, it's part of our life to want to aspire to, to be glamorous like everyone else. But this is occurring in every industry. It's not just singularly uh, focused on, on Hollywood and entertainment. And it goes both ways, honestly. I'm glad. Oh no, I agree. And women are getting more and more of a stronger presence. We just did an Emmy event at my new restaurant I work with in Hollywood called Soul Hollywood, and it was for the See Her Foundation, S-E-E-H-E-R, hashtag See Her. And it's about eliminating bias in all media, in the entertainment industry for gender. Uh, People like Viola Davis are on board. And uh, so this movement is just growing stronger and uh, wider in this industry entertainment which will trickle down to others and it's a good thing i think it's a good thing and i see the positive side of it 
But everybody uses everyone in Hollywood, you know. I've worked with a lot of people in that industry that have used me and have hurt me and have abused me. Not sexually, but there's, you know, there's a lot of mental anguish in the biz. And people use people, but I'm glad that there's a spotlight on it. And I think, um, you know, we need to watch all industries, not just the entertainment industry. Oh, amen to that. And to that effect, obviously, I want to mention that again, folks, certainly, just as we said earlier today, use your voices, meaning if something's happening to you that shouldn't be happening, you need to say something, period, no matter what. No matter what industry, huge, huge, huge. It's just unfortunate, obviously, anything entertainment relative seems to have that spotlight and that focus on there. So sad, but very true there. Well, I'm going to read off a bunch of different places to find Steve. And before I forget to ask the obvious question, if people are listening in today and they want to solicit your services, what would be the best way to go about that? Would that be directly through your website or to you directly? Are you taking on new clients right now? I just want to clarify that before I read all this. Yeah, no, I'm always, I'm always open to hearing, uh, you know, what people need and if I can help them, Uh, they can go to my website, which is valentinegroupla.com. And there's a contact page on there but it's you have to put the la in there so it's valentine group la and then the dot com so yeah i have a contact page i think it has my phone number there and it has the email address too you betcha so before i forget let's read these off here the website again is valentine group la.com he can be found on twitter at valentine group as well as instagram which is valentine group again he has a Facebook personal page, and again, his name is Steve Valentine, as well as a professional page, and some of his work can also be found on YouTube. He also has a LinkedIn profile, obviously. Um, and I don't want to forget to mention this as well, clearly. If somebody is in the area and they want to meet you, do you have an upcoming event or someplace that you'll be at or somebody who wants to just shake your hand, can they do that? Are you accessible? Uh, yeah, of course. I'm trying to think what I have coming up. Um well, the new place I hang out a lot is the new restaurant that I'm working with in Hollywood called Soul Hollywood. So I can be found there okay. uh, a lot yeah. of times. But uh, there's usually updates on my website, too, or I'll send things out on uh, Instagram or Facebook of what's going on. Gotcha. But award season is so coming last... up, so probably a little more active oh, as yeah. we get into January of 2018. That's exactly right. I forgot about that. I don't know how I could forget about that. Oh, because I'm too damn busy. I forgot. Okay, there are only two more things we have left to do on my show. Um, First of all, if you've never listened to one of my interviews before, there are always surprises on my show. Always, 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 always surprises on my show. And then the very last thing after that is I get to tell you what I think of you, Steve Valentine. I do that with everyone. Um, And sometimes they cry and sometimes they don't know what to say, et cetera. Um, So these are my surprises to you. Uh, First of all, when I come to California next month, because I am putting out a calendar before the end of this year. So I'm doing the festival, my film festival. Then when that gets done, I have to run out to L.A. and take pictures with people so I can publish my um, calendar for next year. Or I should say December. Yeah, December. Okay. So I will be in California. So I will knock on your door and I will um, look you up because I have a surprise for you. And I want to try to match you up with a potential client. So that's the business side of things. Let's do it. Second of all, just so that you you do know I will be hitting up Elizabeth about the book that she wrote because one of the things I do is book review, so I would love to be able to review your client's oh, book. But I'll take that up with her, obviously, okay. when we speak on the air as, as far as that goes and stuff like that. Third of all, I want you to know that I'm starting my own magazine in 2018, and so one of the things that I would like to spotlight in the very first edition is yourself and your oncologist in written form because as much oh, as I wonderful. love writing my radio show, I love writing in person. Why? Because it's more personal and I get you to be hands-on, et cetera, et cetera. 
So I think that's a big deal. And in 2018, if I can pull it off, because I have enough wherewithal and we both know enough people, I think that we should put all of our heads together to try to raise funds to find a cure for the uh, the very serious situation that you went through. So I do think we should do a cancer benefit sometime next year. I'll have to find time to see that. That'd be great. We're kicking off the um, campaign in uh, March. Definitely. That would be that would be huge because money is really yeah. what it comes down to. As much as I hate to say it, clearly all of us can say all the prayers we want. And obviously, I'm so pleased that you're alive and well, but obviously it takes money. For Thank treatment. you. That's another good thing. Without a doubt. Thank now you, Cindy. I get to um, now you get to sit and listen to me because the reason why I tell this people is my what Barbara I think Walters my guests, moment. It is your Barbara Walters moment. And I don't want to forget, once we get done with the interview, just so you know, it's about two hours after this. I'll send you both the YouTube link as well as the Blog Talk Radio link so your fans and followers can hear it anytime. It's an archived episode. So I make sure that oh, I good. let guests know that, yeah, a couple hours from now you'll be able to have that. And you'll probably be my only friend because I'm sure I'm going to piss off all my filmmakers today and I'll have no friends and I'll have to have a lot of wine tonight. But that's okay because I'll have one friend in L.A. <laughs> who loves to wear bling and have a plunging neckline. Exactly. So but no, exactly. the purpose of doing my Barbara Walters, what do I think of you moment is it's the only part of my show that's not written. That means this is not scripted. That means it comes from my heart to your heart, which makes it more important. And second of all, I think it's important if somebody wants to spend money on hiring you, they need to know what kind of person you are besides the professional because anybody can research you. This is just from my heart to yours. So these are my thoughts of Steve Valentine. The very first time I heard his name was not out of his own mouth, actually. We both belong to a very illustrious, wonderful group. Thank you so much, Jennifer DeMarchi, for establishing yes. the PRZR group. Uh, I met Ruta Fox. And Ruta Fox, out of nowhere, had been posting up something and saying that you had this inspirational story, Steve Valentine. And I thought, all right, what is oh. so sensational about this guy? So I said to Ruta, I said, who is this guy? And then I approached Steve Valentine months and months ago, and then he answered me. And then, well, he kind of fell off the face of the earth, and I never heard back from him again. Well, sure enough, somewhere along the line, the universe decided to realign us on a post somewhere at some point, and I said, I'm going to go after that Steve Valentine, this guy. So I approached him. He said yes, and he said, hey, by the way, here's this client. And so this is what I have found out about you, Mr. Valentine. First of all, it is no surprise, absolutely no surprise why your last name is Valentine. And now I know why it makes sense, because your heart is superior to any of your PR talent, more than I can tell you. And why? Because I've spoken to your colleagues and I've spoken to the people that have worked with you before on a very limited basis. One of the first things that they tell me about you is that every word that comes out of your mouth is 100% sincere and sentimental, that you work twice as hard in that boardroom as well as you do in a bar or a hotel or any other place that you do business. That sort of integrity to oneself is not something that you find in the L.A. world, let alone in the PR world sometimes. So first of all, that's the number one reason why I think you're true to your name. Second of all, any person that can fight the good fight, get up every single morning and still pretend like he is the PR czar of the world when cancer is knocking on his door every single second, I can't even begin to imagine the sort of strength or wherewithal it takes for that. I admire you more than I can tell you because you're a survivor. You've survived in your industry, you've survived illness, and you've survived to become probably one of the most amazing, astonishing, breathtaking, beautiful people I've ever had the chance <laughs> to talk to in my lifetime. More importantly, you wear a suit like nobody's business. Your hair's lovely. I don't give a shit <laughs> if the pants fake or not, but it just you have this absolute commanding presence about yourself that says, 
I am all about the business of people, making them happy, making them successful, and making them realize they need to make their mark. And you let them do that every day, and you assist them with that every day. The number one reason why you should hire this guy isn't because he's so good at what he does. It's because of the fact that he is so good at being who he is, whereby making him one of the top PRs in the town and in the business. If you don't meet me in town because you're so busy, I totally understand why. It's because you're (laughs) one of the best in the business. And so I can say I had this great hour with Steve Valentine, and he was all that. So just for me to you know this much, I couldn't possibly be more honored to have hosted you today. And I can't thank you enough for spending time with me. Wow, Cindy. Thank you. And we will reconnect when you come to L.A. It will be fun to be. Yeah, that would be very sweet. Oh, my God, yeah. I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate your listeners staying with us for this hour, and I hope that uh, they had a good time. Oh, without a doubt. And I got my grocery shopping done. Now I can go eat and I can work on my festival, and this is wonderful. (laughs) So I'll let you get back to your wonderful life, definitely. I will reach out this afternoon. I'll send you over the link. I'll let you know how it goes with Elizabeth in case you don't get to listen to it. Thanks for setting this up, by the way. I appreciate that, dear. And have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, my my dear dear. Cindy. Thank you. I will see you in L.A. Sounds great. I look forward to it, honey. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye now. Okay, darling. Bye-bye. Told me he wasn't fabulous, right? I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help it. And I was like three seconds away from crying. Not that he needed to know that, but yes, it's true. I was. So just one more reminder, the website again is ValentineGroupLA.com. His Twitter and Instagram are both Valentine Group. Um, He's on YouTube and LinkedIn. And, of course, obviously he has a Facebook page, which is personal page, as well as his actual professional page, which is, of course, a Valentine Group. Obviously, please look him up for any services. As he had mentioned, he is not exclusive to one area, meaning he's done fashion, retail, hospitality, um, celebrity and entertainment, and obviously luxury products as well. We mentioned some of the few individuals he's worked with before, and obviously, of course, receiving that PR. The PRism award is just, I can't even tell you how jealous I am because I can't even get a real-life Oscar, and he's got an Oscar in PR, so that's absolutely wonderful. And as you heard him say, certainly if you're in the LA area, you know where to find him, of course, and he is currently taking new clients, so please go ahead and uh, look him up obviously. And again, one more huge thanks to both Steve Valentine for taking the time today, as well as to Ruta Fox for doing the actual initial introduction. Without you, none of this would have been possible. So I can't thank you both enough. As well as to my listening audience, what's kind of cool about a Saturday early afternoon show is that most of you are home. So I hope that most of you got a chance to listen in to how fabulous he is. So next week, uh, just a quick rundown to remind everybody one more time. Obviously, of course, I'm going to be on air Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday, it's 1230 to 1.30, which is, of course, Eric Heckler. He is the director of American Splenda for my festival. And then 1.30 to 2.30 is Chad McCord, and he, of course, is the director of Follow Your Dreams. Tuesday, we are hosting both Deborah Markowitz as well as Jennifer Giles and Siran Sheehan, all of which are from the waiting room, and, of course, Deborah directed that. Wednesday, I'm going to have at 2 o'clock, excuse me, 1 o'clock, we are having Junie Moon Schreiber, who, of course, was the director of Shed the Shame. And then from 2 to 3, we are having the director of the movie, Lou, which is Pete Dorton, and he, of course, all of these folks, by the way, are all part of my Art is Alive Film Festival. Then Thursday, of course, as we mentioned, Steve clients, Steve's client, if I could speak today, my goodness gracious, I'm telling you, this is a sign that I've either been on the radio too long or that young man got me all fired up, which is probably not a bad thing. So, of course, 
his client, which is Elizabeth Rome, will be 2 o'clock Central Standard Time. Obviously, over the weekend, I'll go ahead and make a big posting up on both Sin's chat corner as well as my personal page for the shows. So everybody, please tune in as much as you can tomorrow, Monday through Thursday. Then I'm off, of course, up until the Halloween evening where we'll have the Real Estate Wars gal on. So again, thanks so much to everybody for taking the time to listen in. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Come join me at Dugout 54 tonight if you can. Um, Otherwise, we'll talk to you folks on Monday. Take care.